for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, let's just read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're, we're looking at the subject as a supernatural church, and uh, this morning we're looking at the gifts of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in every one. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing and by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And then if you go over to chapter 14 and verse 1, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Just to remind ourselves, church was always meant to be organic, not institutional. It was meant to be supernatural, not natural. It's not a club, it's, it's not a business. It's made up of people who are born again of the Spirit, who are baptized in the Spirit, who are filled with the Spirit. Let me ask you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because that's what we're about, that's what the church is about, that's what the good news of Jesus Christ is about. Being brought into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And uh, so far we've considered the importance of, of desire in relation to the gifts of the Spirit. We've looked at the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, and the gift of discerning of spirits. And uh, this morning we're looking at two of what can appear to be the less exciting or less spectacular uh, gifts of the Spirit. Perhaps because they don't always carry the same drama to them. Nevertheless, they are of vital importance to the body of Christ, vital importance to our, not only our ministry, but also to our witness, the gifts of, of knowledge and wisdom. But let me just go back and just provoke you for one moment uh, and pick up on chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire uh, the spiritual gifts. And I, I just want to lay out that challenge again this morning because... You know, we can hear these things and we can pass them by. Or we can leave them to the likes of people that we see coming up to the front here. But actually this belongs to the whole body of Christ. To every member in particular. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter whether you've just started. That's the beauty because they're gifts. Hallelujah. They're they're the gracious gifts of God to enable us to know him and know his purposes and serve his purposes in our generation. 
Wisdom and knowledge, they are essential to life. With, without them, really, we are doomed to a, a cycle of, of repetition, of stagnation, and even defeat. And we, we need to hear that in a world that is so full of knowledge in many different ways. We live in this world that knowledge is everywhere. You look at the Encyclopedia Britannica. You go online and see what you can find there. And, and, and these days, the saying is, if you don't know it, Google it, isn't it? And uh, I, I am so glad for the internet. Um, there, there, are, there are technical things that crop up now and again in the office, and I, my, my immediate reaction is Google it, because there's an answer somewhere. If, you, if you've got problems with your home and you want to know how to do something, Google it, and you'll find somebody's been there before you and done it and put the answer out there. And that's one of the beauties of the internet. But that sort of knowledge is, is not everything. It's not enough. You can abound in knowledge but without wisdom, you can be in serious trouble. Question that arises here, are they, are they natural? Is, is it, are we talking about something natural here, something that we, we get, grow in, that we gain over time? And certainly you can grow in Christian knowledge and certainly you can grow in, grow in Christian wish, wisdom over time. And that would be indeed be the hope. But that what we need to know here is that they are supernatural. They are manifestations of the Spirit. And in the same way that the other gifts are a manifestation of the public face of God, are the public face of God so also these gifts are as well. And I, I love it when you hear those testimonies because it's like God's turned up, isn't it? It's a phrase that tends to get used perhaps more by the young people, but it's, it's true. When you, when you hear those testimonies, God's turned up somewhere. And people have seen the face of God and encountered his face and his voice. And so it's not about learned knowledge or wisdom. It's not gained by, by reading, by degrees, uh, 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 or wisdom gained by experience. It's knowledge and wisdom that is, a, is the very gift of God. So if you are lacking in knowledge and wisdom this morning, we have someone who loves to give it, who loves to give knowledge and wisdom. And you can have knowledge that you get, and suddenly, as a testimony this morning, you go to the Bible and you find, well, it's in there. And uh, sometimes you get it from the Bible first, and sometimes it comes the other way around, and all sorts of other ways. But it's, it is the gift of God. It's God's knowledge and wisdom which is available to all. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if we went round this, uh, this room this morning and got various testimonies, we would discover all sorts of, of moments where suddenly there has been the, the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. And, and sometimes we don't always notice it because in many ways wisdom and knowledge can appear uh, very naturally and, and just suddenly be there and you're not so aware of it, but it is supernatural. I can remember on one occasion when I was driving the car and uh, in those days I had a Triumph Herald. That tells you a little bit about what era I lived in. I had a lovely red Triumph Herald with a sunroof and uh, one of those things that you, you pulled back at the top, and uh, it, was, it was a lovely car, and uh, I was used to driving in the country. Now, when you, you, you grow up in a town, you get used to driving in town. When you grow up in country, you're used to driving in country. So I, I, I was pretty sure of what I was doing, and I used to nip round these bends and all sorts, and there was one, one particular lane with quite a, a few bends in it, and I'm driving round this lane, lane like I normally do, and suddenly I just hear a voice saying, Slow down. Slow right down. Wisdom. Just in a moment. And in that moment, I slowed the car right down. 
as I approached this bend, and suddenly around the bend appeared one of those big, old-fashioned Volvo estates, which you don't argue with. <laughs> you know? No chance, even in an old Triumph Herald. And, and I am so glad I heard that voice. I am so glad I heeded that voice, because I, I would hate to have think what kind of accident I would have been involved in. But it happened just so naturally. It just suddenly occurred there in that moment, just that uh, wisdom from God. So we're going to look, first of all, at the word of wisdom. Scripture reminds us of the importance of wisdom, that wisdom is the main thing, the principal thing. Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all your getting, get understanding. And Proverbs is devoted to sharing the wisdom of God. You can have lots of knowledge and things in life, but without wisdom, you can surely be up the creek without a paddle. Now, the interesting thing is that when you begin to look at Scripture, wisdom's there all over the place, isn't it? Because it's the revelation of God to, to the people of God. And, and, and you can find it everywhere. And some of these things you'll have to go away and look at a bit more closely in your own time. But I just want to list some of them, just so that we are aware of them. And, and the way they can impact our lives in different ways. It doesn't just have to be in here. It can be out there on the road, as you've heard. It can be in your workplace. It can be in your home. This wisdom, this knowledge is applicable to the whole sphere of life. And so you think of, you can go through Genesis and find the story of Noah and the ark. That was the wisdom of God. God was going to judge the world and and God told Noah what to do, how to build an ark. I mean, he'd never seen an ark built before. Nothing like that had ever been done. And the scale of it was enormous. And yet God gives him this wisdom to build this ark that would save those people. You think of the story of Joseph and and the famine that was going to come in Egypt that was revealed through the dreams that came to to Potiphar. And as Joseph listens to those those dreams, he, he has the wisdom of God to know what to do next. And so he sets up this program whereby they would save over a period of years so that there would be enough in that time of famine. You think of, of Moses and, and the problem with all the people of God and, and how God speaks to him and says, what you need is some others to be along your side and the introduction of those 70 elders. You think of the story of, of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And again, it, it just reminds us that wisdom of God is sometimes foolishness to men. And so when we hear God's wisdom sometimes, it may confront our natural thinking. And so there is Joshua and and the Israelites, they're about to approach to Jericho, and you can think of them thinking of it militaristically and how they would normally go about a campaign, but God God gives his wisdom. And in, in the wisdom of God, they're going to do the most foolish thing you can possibly imagine. They're going to march around that place seven times, and on the last day, seven times, and do a mighty shout, and the walls are going to come tumbling down. The human flesh response will be ridiculous. No one's ever done that. Why should we ever do that? Uh, but it is the wisdom of God. And we're reminded that the wisdom of God is so much different to that of men. You think of Gideon and the, and the story of, of, uh, of the Midianites and, and how he was concerned as a judge in Israel about how they were going to defeat the Midianites and wanted to raise an army. And God says, no, make it smaller, make it smaller, make it smaller until it's reduced to 300 men. The wisdom of God is not always the way humanity thinks and frequently it's not. Uh, and it's contrary to the principles of man because God will not allow us to say, oh, look at me, what a clever idea. Look at how I did that. 
And so Gideon had his men reduced to 300. You think of David and the story of uh, the defeat of Goliath. Again, wisdom says, put on your armor. But God says, take up the stones and go out there in all your vulnerability and uh, slay that giant. And so you could go on. You can think of Elisha. Uh, and uh, Naaman and how that man came in all his leprosy and, and, and wanted cleansing and, and the wisdom of God says go and, baptize, go and immerse yourself seven times in the Jordan River that was a shock to his pride he didn't want to do it didn't want to do it go and do it and you will be healed the wisdom of God so the wisdom of God is, is wiser than men and frequently looks foolish in our own eyes And God loves it when we ask for wisdom. You think of Solomon. Solomon as a young king. He comes on the throne following David. And God asks this young king, he says to him, what would he like? Now I just imagine if God came to you and gave you that opportunity and said to you, what would you like me to do for you? What would you like me to give you? And and this man, you can imagine him being young and thinking through a whole range of things, but He just says he wants wisdom. He wants wisdom. He asks for wisdom, and it says there in 1 Kings that God was pleased. And then shortly afterwards, he was confronted with an issue where a baby had died, and uh, there was another one there, and uh, another lady, another mother was claiming it, etc., etc. You know the story. And there he is as a king, faced with this dilemma. What does he do? So you can see here how the wisdom of God speaks into a critical situation. What what does he do? There's two people claiming this baby as their child. And the wisdom of God is that um, that seems horrific to us. You know, well, let's take the baby and and kill it. And uh, the real mother is suddenly revealed. The wisdom of God to expose and open up a situation and bring an answer uh, to it. So in the New Testament, we see wonderful displays of wisdom. When you come to Jesus, you look at his life and ministry. There's wisdom flowing there through his, his teachings, his parables and his answers. And we, we must remember that Jesus came and he took on real human flesh. And in his ministry, he didn't minister, as it were, out of his godhood. He ministered out of the fact that he was a man dependent on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. That's why he continually prayed to the Father. He sought the Father's heart. He sought the Father's mind. He wouldn't do anything other than what he saw the Father doing. And so throughout his teachings, throughout his parables, and throughout the answers that he gives in the different ways people confront him, you find this wisdom that they are astounded uh, by. And it upsets the religious authorities, the, the traditionalists. And the failure to recognize the wisdom of God in Jesus and coming through Jesus, it calls, in fact, one of those big tragedies where people wouldn't believe in him and even in his own town he couldn't do many mighty works you have conflict resolution you think of the woman caught in in the act of adultery and the religious people really wanting to to see judgment take place there and so there's something going on there's dynamics in that particular situation and Jesus just kneels down and he he writes in the sand and suddenly people are disappearing the wisdom of God in so many different ways. The, the, the religious people were frequently out to trap Jesus. They, they were scheming in different ways uh, and plotting to, to get him in some way or other. And, and uh, they, 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 they came to him with regard to the authority of Jesus. 
and with regard to taxation, sorry, with, the authority of, uh, with regard to the authority of Caesar and the whole business of taxation. And God, suddenly there's a word of wisdom released. And suddenly that situation is undone and they can't do anything about it. The most amazing display perhaps of, of God's wisdom is in the cross itself. It's in the cross and Paul unpacks the wisdom of God in the cross in 1 Corinthians in those first few chapters. It seems foolishness to men. Why, why, why should we be saved like this? But it is God's wisdom. And you can go there and read about that in your own time. But nevertheless, to, to note that, that the wisdom of God is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can go over into the book of Acts uh, of the Apostles and you can see the, the, the dilemmas that they face. As the church is expanding, as, as different needs are arising and suddenly there's this need amongst the widows and the need for, for food provision and so on and it's like the pressures are on them and it's, what do we do? And, and God releases his wisdom. And, and so he says uh, that they are to appoint seven men who are filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. Not clever men, not men who've got lots of degrees behind their name, but men who are filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. Because it's a supernatural thing. You can think of different stories. How You think of the story of Philip, you can think of Ananias and Saul and Lots of different stories there that come in the New Testament that unpack and reveal something of the wisdom of God. The word of wisdom provides answers not available to us any other way. Have you ever been there? I have. I can think of uh, many years ago a particular church situation and as a leader, um, leading elder in that particular situation, I, I can remember thinking, God, what, what do we do? What is the answer? And you're praying kind of day and night. And I can remember we were away somewhere. And I can just remember, you know, this kind of, God, I need an answer. We need an answer from heaven. And I can remember to this day, leaning back on the front of the car, wherever we were, and suddenly a word of wisdom dropped in. And I knew I had God's answer for that situation. And when you stop and you begin to think about it, time and again, those instances where God releases wisdom, you, you look at it as, you know, we, we look at it in all sorts of different ways and that's responsible. But at the end of the day, you say, God, I need your wisdom. We need your wisdom in this situation. It can be in church. It can be at home. It can be in your workplace. It may be a particular situation that you're finding at this moment in time and you can apply all the wisdom of the world to it and it doesn't answer the particular need, the crisis that you're facing. What you need is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is wiser than men. So you've got it at home, at work, in church, in counselling, in ministry, in serving, in so many different ways. It helps us to know how to apply insights and revealed through other gifts. It helps us to know how to pray for a person, to avoid a particular danger, to speak constructively into a situation. The temptation for any of us is to resort to earthly, carnal wisdom and expediency. Men, women filled with the Spirit are far more needed than men and women who are successful, who are successful by the world's standards in business or in any other profession. Men and women filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Is that what you desire to be? A man filled with the Holy Spirit? A woman filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, there's a place for proper learning and all that kind of thing, but the criteria, the first criteria, must be men and women who know God. Men and women who know what it is to get into the secret place and know the presence of God. Men and women who know how to hear from God. Men and women who will get strategies from heaven and know how to work them out by the wisdom of God. Wow. I thought I used to know how to do a lot of things when I was young. I thought I could take the world by storm for Jesus. You know, there's a few nods going on. I'm not the only one. You know, but God has to strip that away. And sometimes he breaks us down to get us to that place where we say, God, you are everything. God wants a spirit-filled church. He wants a body of believers who are hungry and passionate for him, who are open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The word of knowledge, it relates to, knowledge relates to information, but again, this is not ascertained by, by reading, it's not ascertained by education, seeking to establish the facts, etc. Neither is it uh, ESP or telepathy or psychic readings or tarot cards or palms, etc. They are from the enemy and they very often contain just enough truth to hook people. Beware of that. There is something in it, it's demonic. If you're involved in it, you need to come clean with God. You need to repent of it. Because it means the enemy has got a hook on your life. That is not the way God speaks to us. James says that there are two wisdoms. He says there's either the wisdom from above or the wisdom that comes from below. And the wisdom that comes from below is very often revealed in things like ESP and telepathy and psychic readings and tarot cards and palms. And there's enough truth there to hook people, but there's enough truth there to take them down. That's the bait of Satan. No, this, this gift that we're talking about, this word of knowledge, it's a, a supernatural revelation. It's a, it's a fragment of God's knowledge about a person or a situation, whether it's past or present, which the Spirit wants you and I to know for a reason. To save, to heal, or to help somebody. I love this. Someone said this, that Spirit-given words of knowledge are a strategic form of intelligence. <laughs> You know, we are at war. If you haven't found it out at the moment, you are at war as a Christian. There is a battle on. There's a battle for your life in God. There's a battle for souls. There's a battle on. But spirit-given words of knowledge are a strategic form of intelligence for the foot soldiers of the advancing army of God, enabling us to outsmart the enemy of our souls and take yet more ground. Hallelujah. We, so we need these words. This is, this is where our captain can release to us essential information that will reveal the tactics of the enemy and enable us to overcome him. Now, I'm sure that you are aware, as I am, that there's a great deal of overlap that appears to exist between some of these gifts. And, uh, you know, is it a word of wisdom? Is it a word of knowledge? Is it a prophecy? And we can get tied up with that. And uh, it's not that easy always to define. In fact, some of those 
scriptures that I've referred to there, you can, you can see both of them operating. You can see knowledge and you can see wisdom, etc. Um, so there appears to be some overlap of, of wisdom and knowledge and the prophetic. And while some aspects of knowledge and, and wisdom might fall within the prophetic, not all prophecies could be considered wisdom or knowledge. Nevertheless, they do work hand in hand. And and knowledge plus wisdom equals God's prophetic counsel. Yes. God speaking powerfully, dynamically into a particular life situation circumstance. One thing we should know is it's not about new revelations. We're not getting new doctrines out of this. We need to, we need to say that because that can be what some people will think. Oh, you're into new revelations, new doctrines. Brothers and sisters, it's all in here. The things most assuredly believed among us are in here. And we're not talking about new, new revelations on, on doctrine and so on. And salvation. We have the scriptures. So it will not violate scripture. You think of some of the biblical examples again for, with regard to uh, knowledge. And you've got the exposure of the enemy's plans which you can find in 2 Kings and chapter 6. You've got the disclosing of hypocrisy in 2 Kings chapter 5. You've got the ministry of Jesus where he sees Nathanael under the fig tree before actually he encounters him. You've got the encounter with the woman at the well in John 4. The lady who had had five husbands and now was in a sixth relationship, stuck in a destructive cycle. And the word that Jesus brought to her suddenly unsettled her, unhinged her, but it brought her salvation. It brought her deliverance. It broke that cycle destructive cycle. You've got Lazarus, uh, how Jesus spoke of his death before he'd actually heard of it, before the news had actually come to him in John chapter 11. Uh, You've got uh, in in Acts the disclosing or unmasking of of something that is hidden, and and you think of the story of Ananias and Sapphira on the surface, all looking good and playing the part, but suddenly the unmasking of a particular situation, a particular uh, thing that was going on. You've got the revealing of a person in need and their whereabouts. You can find that in Acts chapter 9. You've got the, the, the revealing of a visitor about to arrive in Acts chapter 10. And uh, in, in Acts chapter 27, you've got the, the prediction of a coming event and the solution to it. Uh, that, that instance where there's a shipwreck. And what do we do? All are, all are going to be lost. And, and, and God gives to Paul uh, that knowledge and that wisdom, which is both going on there. So, absolutely valuable gifts, aren't they? You may be facing a situation at the moment in which you have explored everything from a human point of view. And you know, I've been there where you you end up going round in circles. You visit the pros and you visit the cons. You visit the pros and I've been in there in my Christian life. I've been in there in Christian leadership. And I've come to the point where I've actually had to stop and say, God, I need a word from you. Because I'm going around in circles. And it may be that there's some here this morning, that's you. You're going around in circles. You're visiting a particular situation and circumstance and you just keep going around in circles. Just that cycle of activity, revisiting the same thing over and over again. Maybe God has released a word, but you're not responding to it. And you need to hear it and respond to it. I remember 
a number of years ago, we were in a particular situation where we, Pam and I were looking to move away. I was going to go away, move up country, do some training up north, and uh, everything had been sorted, and God seemed to be in everything. And even directing us past an accident that was on a motor, one motorway, it's one of those things, which way do you go? And okay, we felt led to go in a particular direction. If we'd gone the other way, we would never have got there in time. Got there, had an interview, accepted, etc., etc., etc. God seemed to be in everything. We had, we had a house up there that we were going to. God seemed to be in everything. We, we had sold our house. God seemed to be in everything. It's one of those stories and you just think, everything's coming together. But actually, there was something inside that said, I am not sure. And you know, I was driving one day, uh, and I was driving out to my, my workplace. I, I was um, driving out to work, and as I approached this particular junction, I, I can feel it and sense it right now. As I approached this junction, I just felt God say, you're going the wrong way. That was all it was but I knew what God was talking about. And I went back home, and I remember saying to Pam, I said, we can't go. We can't go. Suddenly we lost the house up there that we were going to. We lost our buyers. And it could have caved in, but I knew God had spoken. He'd released his wisdom you may be in a situation like that. So how, how, do, how do we get words of knowledge? How do we get words of, of wisdom? Sometimes they come in, in picture form, whether it be in a, a vision or in a dream, or just a steady picture. It can be a seen word. It can be words or sentences that you hear within your inner ear. Just suddenly you hear God. It's not necessarily audible, it could be audible, but just as I did in that, as I was travelling along there, just suddenly God's saying, you're going the wrong way. And I knew exactly what he was saying. It can be a feeling in part of our body or in our emotions. God reveals something. Perhaps there's something frequently for people with, with words of knowledge and healing, it's, it's feeling something in an area. And you wonder, why, why have I got that pain? Well, it's Maybe not your pain, it's because there's somebody within that room. Somebody you're encountering who's suffering from that pain. Pain in the right side, a particular place. And God wants to release that knowledge and, and bring healing. It can be as simple as a word like Tenerife, can't it, Pete? <laughs> Going back to, to summer church, and you can think, foolish, Tenerife, what kind of word's that? But suddenly it means somebody to somebody. Some, someone, doesn't it? It means something to someone. The heart of God is revealed. It can be a strong sense in the spirit where we feel it very keenly. Spirit comes upon us and we just sense that, that moment of intensity of the spirit and, and he comes for a reason. It's just asking him what that is about. 
The word of knowledge is, is knowledge received from the Holy Spirit. It's quite a quote here from uh, uh, Rodney Francis. He says, The word of knowledge is knowledge received from the Holy Spirit to enable us to more effectively minister to the needs of people, to know and understand situations, circumstances, strategies of the enemy, kingdoms of darkness, etc. It enables us to know how to speak in the above situations with a knowledge that can surprise, baffle, disarm, open up, bring answers, healing and understanding. Wow. We need that. You need that. I need that. The world needs people moving in that way. So as we just draw to a close here, just some simple principles to bear in mind with regard to both these gifts. Number one, to walk in humility. It's not about your personal insight or worthiness. Never. It's a gift. It's a gift that you all need again and again and again and again. So we walk in humility. We don't suddenly say, wow, look at me. What amazing revelation I've got. What amazing knowledge. What amazing wisdom. No, we walk in humility because it's God who gives those gifts. Um, Be prayerful. The need to be people of prayer. Being in God's presence. Being attuned to him. To be feeding on the word. Read the Bible. Mark the stories. Go go and have a look at some of those that I've referenced very quickly this morning. Go and, and look them up. And see how God intervenes, how God speaks and acts in particular situations. Be a person of the word. Be teachable. We're all learners in this respect. And I love it. We're learning together. We're learning more as a church about how this works. And uh, want to be open to the Holy Spirit. Be open. i got to... Statement I'm going to make at the end, quoting somebody else, but we'll come to that in a minute. But the need to be open to the Holy Spirit. And the need to ask, in both instances, no, it's a word of wisdom, it's a word of knowledge, it's something given in the moment, it's not an abiding gift, therefore we will need to be going again and again to God and saying, God, I need knowledge. God, I need wisdom. I need your solution to this particular situation. Uh, remember that it's just our job to be the delivery man or the delivery woman. And think of the postman making sure it goes to the right address. Who is this for? Sometimes God gives you a word and you wait on it. And then God reveals who it's for. So make sure the address is right. And at the end of the day, when, you, when you've done all, it is to rest in the Lord. It's not our job to make that knowledge or wisdom happen in that particular person's life or situation. They're given that those people might put their trust in the Lord and begin to uh, move out into God's purpose in a different way. We can't move in these things if we want to please people. Can't. If we want to be traditionalists, we'll struggle to move in these things. We need to be men and women of the Spirit. Men and women who are constantly stepping out in faith. Francis Chan has this challenging statement. He says, if we're not careful, we can spend our lives justifying why God's power is not seen in our lives. Wow. We can spend our lives 
justifying why God's power is not seen in them. I think that's a challenge to some here this morning. You've been in spirit-filled circles maybe for a long time and you have justified why it doesn't work in you and through you and for you. Don't say that to condemn, but to encourage because God wants us to engage with him. God wants us to be people who step out in the spirit, who explore these realms which are, yet yeah, take us out of the confidence of our flesh into the dynamic of the spirit where we serve in a new way. I've been like that. I've known what it is to be in that situation where I I justify myself. God help me, I don't want to carry on like that. I want to know more of the Spirit. I want to know his presence and activity in my life. And the last quote here, again, it's a a powerful quote. The purpose of a Spirit-filled life is to demonstrate the supernatural power of our living God so that the unsaved multitudes will abandon their dead gods and call on the name of the Lord and be delivered. It's about the gospel. It's not just for in church, it has its place in church, but it's about the gospel as well. It's about where you are in your workplace, in your street, who you might meet during your particular week. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for more? Are you wanting to pursue love and the gifts of knowledge and wisdom? Let's just stand, shall we? I said to Peter at the beginning, I said, uh, I want to make this practical and real and just let's be open to any words of wisdom. Maybe the, the band can come and uh, just play in the background for the time being. Um, but I think Pete's got something, so I'm going to hand over to Pete and the team. And uh, Let me just pray. Father, we thank you that you're a good, good father. We thank you that your wisdom is wiser than the wisdom of men. It can unlock situations. It can redirect our paths. It can bring us answers that we could never have imagined. We thank you that you're a knowing God and you release fragments of that knowledge to us and wisdom with what to do with it. And Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence now. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence that we might just hear something of your heart through those gifts. In the name of Jesus.